G'day! Welcome to On Minis Games. Hello and welcome to On Minis Games. My name's Giles Pritchard. And I'm Quinton Sun. And welcome to another episode of On Miniatures Games. This episode, we thought we might take a break from our regular schedule of talking about what have we been playing lately. What have we been buying? <laughs> what have we been collecting? <laughs> what have we been kickstarting? It's, it, it, it's, it's a fun pastime that we enjoy. <laughs> Uh, so this episode we're going to focus on, since this is uh, ostensibly a podcast dedicated to miniatures games, we're going to focus on why bother with miniatures games? What is it about miniatures games that attracts us? What what do we like about them? Why do we do it? So, Quentin, are there any thoughts first off? Why do you play miniatures games? I think, uh, so you come back to the whole why play a game mm-hmm. is... For all of us, and not just miniature games, board games, it's a challenge, it's social, you know, you th- it activates that grey matter in your head mm. um, rather than just sitting in front of a TV or, <laughs> or maybe a computer screen, which I do too much of as well. Um, so, there is that side of it, but we can get that with board games. Specifically with miniatures games, I think it's the visual aspect and the tactile aspect that comes into it as well is a really big draw for me. The Being able to see whenever they do get painted, uh, a fully painted army or even with um, miniature board games, a fully painted um, set of miniatures on a board laid out looks fantastic. Mm. Um, it just adds to the atmosphere and drawing you into playing that game. I think following that, you know, I think the aesthetic aspect is a really important one with miniatures games, mm. and I think there are multiple um, parts to that. Yep. I think, you know, if you have a really nice set-up board, you've got, you know, your, your terrain mat, you've got your, your um, terrain on the board, you know, trees, buildings, other bits and pieces. If you've got painted miniatures, which, yep. you know, neither of us seem to have a lot of. <laughs> but if you have those if things... If you have those things... Um, you know, there, there's nothing quite that matches it there's a, there's a whole world little world yeah. that you've created a real diorama a, a functional diorama yep. that you can play in and play with and it, it adds to that thematic experience of the game yep um you know you're bringing the world to life yeah. and you're and you're playing in that in that miniature world that you've created i think um and as much as i'll defend the people who don't paint their miniatures because mm-hmm. we all have busy lives and busy yeah. schedules and you know if you're anything like me i am not the most I don't enjoy painting as mm-hmm. much as a lot of other people. Yep. But there is that it does remove that suspension of disbelief in terms of uh, of you're in this world when mm. you have put a grey plastic model that's yeah, not or painted still on the table. Model, yeah, or a pewter right. model or, or <laughs> something that's not painted, you sort of look at it and go, Yeah, it's yeah. not really there. Yeah. And uh, it, the other the other part I think to the aesthetic is that you know, we play, you know, historical games, mm. and I, I don't know about you, I find it, uh, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of, you know, working out what colours 
you know, what colours do I need to paint my, you know, at the moment I'm painting a 15mm. Yeah. I'm actually putting paint on models. I know. Oh, my God. God. And, and you're doing very well and you're well ahead of me in this whole thing. If I'd have painted one, I'd have been well ahead of you on the 15mm Well, yeah, front. true. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've started on four. Yeah. Started. Oh, no, you have actually. That yeah, looks I've quite put, good. Yeah. I've put red mm. and skin colour and metal. That that's the Romans. I don't and know. Brown. <laughs> and brown. And that's the Romans done. 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 Just <laughs> need a wash and <laughs> be perfect. So um but you know, I, I, I get I do, I get I get enjoyment out of working out, you know, what historically, you know, colours and tones and things like yeah. that um would have been worn. Um, you know, as bizarre as it sounds, you know, I like I like reading about, you know, the fact that, you know, the red dyes came from the matter the root of the matter plant and things mm. like that and and this is how they made various dyes and how they, you know, made or stained clothes or you know, all that sort of stuff I find quite yeah. interesting. And that also feeds into, you know, my my writing and things like yeah. that as well. I, you know, I find it fascinating from that perspective too. But that historical aspect I really enjoy. Mm. And so, you know, doing that little bit of research and then being able to carry that out on the models, yep. being able and, – and I think too that when you paint the models – you have a connection with them. You know, you poured – let's be honest, you poured hours and hours into these buddy things. Yeah. And, you know, it, it can you – well, do- you, you do have a connection, I will agree. Yeah. Sometimes that connection for me can be quite fleeting as mm. I feel like throwing it across a room. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. But let, let's say, you know, when we had our Mordheim bands, you know, I had um, two of the main characters yeah. that I decided the two models were going to be, you know, the sergeant basically and the guy in charge, you know, yeah. the captain – and um, I was painting the models up, and then I, I was looking at them. I think, well, the sergeant's like wearing full plate armor, and the captain's not. Yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, this whole, you know, ad, this whole thing about, you know, their, you know, there's a whole story in, yeah, in yeah. you know, that sort of relationship, and uh, you know, the painting of them, and yeah. you know, it just you add that character to the to yeah. the individuals, and you come away, and and you think, oh, I really like the way I did the face on this one, or I really like yeah. the way that that the eyes are looking in this direction, and you know, their whole their weapons and things like that. It looks really cool. Um, why it's all come up finished. Yeah. And so you, you do you have a little bit of an oh, this guy, well, you know, you I, this is my favourite guy because, you know, well, his, his eyes look really thing. cool. I mean, He's doing this and when it um one so it and it is a hobby. No matter where you where you draw from, whether it be miniature board games, miniature war games, mm. or just collecting the miniatures themselves, it's a hobby spectrum of, of, you know, and you have in that one important part is, you know, finding your models you want and then buying them and collecting them and cleaning them and getting them already, painting them if you want to, putting them on the table, playing with them. Um, the painting aspect gives people a lot of connection to the, to the models. Mm. Um, and it can be quite important. I personally, I find painting at times frustrating because I get very, I know I can do it. Mm. And I'm a decent painter. I just get sick of it. I get distracted and bored very easily. So yeah. my problem is I never really finish projects, and that's uh, my problem. Yeah, I know. I completely identify with that too. Like I get very frustrated. You know, I was painting those goals the other night. Yep. And I had in my head that um, you know I'd finished doing these couple of bases. You know, I only needed to do two colours. Yeah. And it was across. I think it was across eight miniatures. Yeah. Uh, Fifteen mil miniatures, or it might have been sixteen. Anyway, it was, but it was only two colours. Yeah. Um, you know, get these two colours on and then I'll go and do this other thing that I need yep. to do. I think it was editing one of these episodes. And, oh, my God, those two colours. would Did it take an hour like I thought it might? <laughs> it was, you know, two hours, three hours later and I was, I was just felt willing like it to hours. be over. I know. By the end of it, I was just, oh, God, this has to end soon. Yeah. But, you know, I had to, I had to keep 
being quite disciplined in terms of not just trying yeah. to rush it because I was going to make more work for myself. I don't yeah. to tidy the paint up that I'm yep. splashing everywhere because I'm in a rush, you know. Yep. So, um, yeah, I completely understand on yeah. that front, yeah. But I think, um, yeah, definitely the the miniatures, the, what the biggest draw is is that ability to bring something to the table. Mm. Um, and like a game of chess, have this tactile unit formation standing there and, mm. and move it around and use it and and really have that put yourself into that world. And I think that's with both of us too. We tend to, well, when we play games, mm. we tend to gravitate towards games, we try to, that have a bit of a narrative to them. Yeah. And again, I think that brings us down to that whole idea of being in that world and bringing that story into it. Um you're playing out a bit of a narrative. Yeah. You're playing out a story, you're, you're, you know, whether it's a scenario or whether it's a game like Sharp Practice 2, yeah. which just lends itself to or, that very narrative style know, of play. Ducks, which is brilliant, which is just so, you know, so much drawn. The whole thing is based around the narrative and yeah. it really is about the, the story that you evolve. That's something that I think you find that... More so in miniatures games yeah, than that board you, games? Yeah, well, I just find with well, board games... Um, Tend to a lot of them tend to be one off, but mm. you know, legacy games and there are a lot of games, you, a lot of replayability. Mm. I have a few. We have lots of. You have hundreds of board games. I have quite a few mm. that, that that are great, but there's not that ongoing connection with them. I don't think. Yeah. Whereas with a miniature game, particularly if you've bought the models, assembled them, invested the time and effort yeah. into painting them, there's that real connection with them that you want to get them back on the table. You want to keep using them. You don't want just want them to sit in a shelf or sit in a box or sit yeah. in a bag somewhere. Um, uh, well, you know, uh, and I, there, there's two points that come out of that. One is that miniatures games can be quite expensive. Yes. That you can spend hundreds of dollars oh, of and end up with half a game. Yep. I've, I've spent hundreds of dollars, but I can't play because I need a friend to have also spent hundreds yep. of dollars uh, in order to play. And that can be an issue. Now, yep. if you're, you know, if you want to, if you're interested in miniatures games, and that's obviously, you know, a concern. Um, there are plenty of excellent miniatures games that can be played, that can be bought into cheaply. Yep. That can be um, oh. that use either small figures, small models, yep. or use a small model count. Yep. Um, you know, classic example would be Mordheim. Upcoming is Kings of War Vanguard, small scale skirmish Infinity. games. Um, Necromunda, if you, but anyway, that's another point entirely. The, we play Ducks, Britanniarum. It's a game that requires probably 40 to 60 models a side. Yep. Um, and we both sort of weren't sure whether, you know, what we were yeah. going to do. I went to um, Pendracken, bought a whole bunch of 10 millimeter yep. figures for $40 or $50. Yeah. And I've got probably five or six armies at, for, yeah. for, for the Saxons, five or six armies for the, the Romano British. Yep. So we have plenty of models there. <laughs> we have more than enough. Well, more than enough. So, you know, it, it, that was really a cheap way to get into it. And we, you know, but I think, so, so that's one aspect, the cost. Um, I think too, I, I, one thing I, I wonder about, and bear with me on this, yep. with a board game, you open the game, you've yep. got all the rules, yep. um, you, you, you set the game up and the parameters are set up with the game. Yes. This is, you know, everybody gets in, this is the game, yep. this is here's, how it works. Well, here's, the, here's the one rule book that's usually only about maybe 10 pages long at most. Yep. Here it is. Here are your pieces, here are my pieces. Yep. Um, now, in miniatures games, the rules set up the parameters 
for how the game functions, but you choose the pieces. Yes. In essence, you're choosing the rules that you're going to be using in the game. Yes. So you imagine, you know, the, the board game where you say, here is this huge set of pieces that I can choose from, but I'm going to take these pieces and a couple of those yep. pieces and a couple of those pieces, and each of those pieces then brings in specific sets of rules or ways to bend or break the rules that are, you know, specific to those pieces. You know, the, the, the board, game, board games aren't fundamentally like that, whereas miniatures games fundamentally are. Yeah. That, you know, when I build an army or when I build a, a warband or yep. a force or whatever it might be for my, um, my, 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 you know, for, for me to play, I'm picking the rules that are going to be in play yep. and I'm thinking about the strengths that I'm going to try and push on, the tactics that I'm going to try and yep. use. I'm going to try and pick models that are going to be able to carry out those tactics on yep. the tabletop. And, of you know, and if I was a good player, I'd also be thinking, well, you know, Quint, you've got, you know, your Aleph or your Morats yeah. or whatever they might be. This is their strengths. How am I going to counter that? You know, yep. what do I think you're going what, to – what might you take or what might the the – um, the, the scenario that we're yeah. playing demand and therefore what can I take and how can I do this? What models have I got available to me yep. that will allow me to execute that better? And every game you can, you can, you can alter that. You can yep. change it. Not, not just in how you use those pieces on the tabletop, but what actual pieces have you got? What yep. rules are you going to try and exploit in order to achieve yep. maximum success in the mm -hmm. actual playing of the game? And so there's quite a bit of time spent outside the game. For you, for me, it's rolling up with my miniatures <laughs> going, oh, I got no idea. But see, that's that, that's the thing that, that, well, one, I think where you're going with that is it can be very daunting in terms of that whole, where you pick up a, I, I, a board I think game. it's just an aspect of the game, well, though. It's, I, I, it, I, it's an important aspect of mm. the game. It's one of the aspects that I enjoy, one of the parts I enjoy the most. Mm. Um, anyone who has played against me or knows me, I, I love this building. Mm. I love going into the rules in depth. Finding out how things will work together to build the most efficient army killing machine. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> efficient killing machine that's going to roll over the table <laughs> and make my opponent cry. Yeah, no one's actually cried yet. The tears of the goal. Well, yeah, <laughs> that and victory. What else do you season your chips with? That's right. Um, so I really enjoy that aspect. I, mm. I, I enjoy looking for ways to make things better, mm. and also. It, it's actually a bad thing too, in a way, because I, you end up finding flaws in games, yeah, and it makes it very frustrating. Well, you've had, you've had, you know, I mean, <clears throat> we did, um, you know, we've done a lot of playtesting and management yep. for Dystopian Legions, um, for Dystopian Wars, you know, for yep. for um, a range of games over time, and that's a real strength of yours is to find a flaw or, or to find areas within the rule set that can be exploited yeah. and. Abused in game yep. to be overpowerful. Yep. You know that that. Well, you know, I enjoy doing that as well. It's mm. I think it's an important part of any game. If you're going to make it, it's got to be balanced. Yeah. But sorry to to come back. I think the the strength of the the or the miniature war game yeah. is the variability and the and how broad you can go. Mm. But there's also scales in that. I mean, you look at ducks, which is very very much set in what you take. Yeah. Um, you know, you, this is your force. And then this is what reinforcements you'll get if you win, if you lose, right, right, right. It's, it's all structured. Yeah. Um, then you move on to something like maybe um, sharp practice, which has a very limited number of units um, because it's historical. Uh, you can season that with adding various yeah, things. Yeah, but, but it's fairly straight. And, yeah. and if you want to maintain that historical aspect, you got, you're not going to have a whole force of 
dragoons running, you know, right over the battlefield mm. while your opponent's only got musketeers or, or, or um, line infantry. So that sort of you got that area, and then you mm. move on to something like. I suppose you could say I don't want to go to infi- infinity levels, but mm. infinity is at the right at the other end of the scale where you've got huge variability, huge number of models. You know, each faction's got hundreds of different variations of uh, equipment and uh, models, and, and and not just you know, it's not a matter just of having models with a different set of stats. It's no. also then having equipment and having different weapons, different um, gear. Uh, and it, it, it's huge. It is very uh, deep in that yeah. sense, but. That I think with miniature wargaming and is, or miniature because miniature wargaming as opposed to miniature board gaming, mm. because miniature board gaming there's still that variation. I mean, you look at um, one I got today was which was Centauri Saga, when they said my minis, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's basically set. There's mm. there's 48 mini- miniatures, but they're all very structured pieces. You take them, you put them on the board, you move them around the board. Done. Yep. Whereas you did something like Mythic Battles, mm. is that transition is something that you would introduce to someone who goes, look, I've wanted to play a war game, but it's a bit too much. And, you know, well, this is a board game that's the transition. Yeah. It's almost a war game. And it, well, and, and it is a step a step beyond the, even the drafting game, yeah. Mythic Battles, to a die-in-the-wool, you know, um, miniatures war game, yep. which are often points-based. Yep. Um, you know, and you've got, you know, 300 points, 3,000 points, whatever it might yeah. be, with which you buy your force. Yep. Um, you know, and, and as the I drafting said, yeah, yeah. is the same. Yeah. So. Um, I think we the variation is one of the things that also appeals to me, too, mm. talking about it, because you can. We can rock up and put ducks on the table. Simple, it's easy, you know, we play it out, done. Or, you know, if I want something more challenging or, you know, and for me that's, you know, generally tournaments and stuff. Mm. Um that I'll get into is me spending three weeks trying to work out a list that's going to be the most optimal to run to this tournament. Mm. Um, I get that huge variation that I really enjoy. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. So are there any other aspects of miniatures gaming that you think are really worth exploring? We've talked about the aesthetic um, component, which is, I think, a really fundamental one. Um, We talked about the variability and the way that that is a little bit different to board games. Are there any other aspects that you think are are, um, are maybe more emphasised in miniatures wargaming than perhaps in in board games or in other forms of gaming? I think with miniature wargaming or, you know, in particular miniature wargaming, you are more fluid with the way that you deal with the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, there tends to be a bit more of a... To go to your opponent, you and your opponent, the interaction between you and your opponent, because the rules aren't as structured, there's a very much a a lot of unspoken rules Mm. um, or rules that need to be clarified prior to playing. So it's a very interesting dynamic in that regard of it's who you play with. We call it meta. The meta, yeah. Yeah, the the interesting the meta that you, you play in or you're going to play in, it's it's adds a definite layer to playing the game. It's a social contract. Yeah. And it's unspoken and it's Which it's often, often makes it very awkward. Uh, and, and an extreme example of that would be someone who, let's say, is playing, you know, an historical game. Yes. And they put together their force and it's historically based. Yep. And it's not optimised, but no. it's historically accurate. And they're playing an opponent who has an ahistorical list, yeah. but is completely optimised. Yeah. 
And, you know, instead of having, you know, two um, panzer tanks in support, yeah. they've got 14 panzer tanks <laughs> and, and no infantry, you know what I mean? Like, who the, would run a list like that? I can't, I think, can't of think of, of any. anyone. You know, and, you know, they did run this <laughs> in <laughs> I, my defence. I remember um, being at CanCon and, and um, someone complaining about it. Some guy's got a panzer force there and it's just all tanks or whatever it might have been. And um, But, you know, the, it... But that comes down to the social contract. It does. You know, for, if you play in a group where that's the norm, where, where you take what is offered, by which yep. I mean the rules, yep. the stats and so forth, and you try and do your darndest to create the, the most highly efficient weapon you can in yep. game terms, you know, from that, then that's fine. If you play in yeah. a group that's like, that, that loves the history and they're like, we're just going to take, it's all historically based yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, or it's, um, you know, I'm going to take these models because I like the look of them. Yeah. Now, sure, they're not that efficient in the game, but, you know, they're fun. Then it's a, it's a different dynamic. It and, does. and that unspoken, well, often unspoken yeah. social contract can, can lead to some disagreements and can yep. lead to some conflict. And I think it's something worth talking about if you're playing in a, in oh, a club or something along those lines. It's, it's something that, and it's one of those things that I think wargamers or miniature wargamers for so long have, expected people to know mm. when in reality it should be a spoken contract it shouldn't be something when you come to a club you know and you roll up no one's told you what the kind of gameplay is expected no one's you know you just rock up and you bring this and all of a sudden you're ostracized because you brought this mm. well no one told me that there was restrictions yeah. or that you didn't want me to bring this or this is where i'm coming from yeah um the the problem is and the, the reality is nearly every single game system you go to can be broken. Yeah. Because that's the way it is. Um, it's nearly impossible to write a rule set with we, it, lists that's I mean, not. We're talking about, you know, I mean, in, in functionally, you've got you've got the, the, the board itself with all the various things on the board that can yep. affect the way the game plays, and then you've got all your pieces, each of which has makes use of various aspects yep. of the rules. You've got the rules, which are the overall architecture, which allow all of the various pieces to interact in one way or another, mm -hmm. and all of those things can change. Yep. You know, all of the, all the pieces on the board can change, all the pieces that you bring well, to the table can change. And the thing is, is that when, when the rules are written, they have a vision of what they see. With the board, generally with boards, with a table, mm. you know, with a with a, a board game, the board is set, mm. done, never changes. It is more f it is more definite yep. in its structure. Whereas we turn around and, you know, you play a war game, the layout of the board can drastically or can decide the outcome of a game. A classic example of that is in Infinity Circles. In, we're talking yep. about Infinity by Corvus Belli. There's what's known as the American table yep. and the, the European, European table. table. Do you want to talk through that? Yeah, so basically um, the American table is a lot of cover. So lots and lots of buildings, lots and lots of containers and stacks and hedges Cars and everything, and, everything yeah, everywhere. Yeah. So lots of lots of terrain, not a lot of long lines of yeah. sight, you know. So it allows a lot of freedom of movement, more freedom of movement. Mm. It means that units with long range weapons can't capitalize on the field, mm. whereas a European table tends to be more open. Now you go to 
in Australia here, we play on mostly what would be an American-style table mm. because a lot of people get frustrated with the idea that one model is going to capitalise yeah. and dominate the field. Yeah, sniper up on top of the side yeah. on the other side of the board yep. has so many so many optimal lines of fire across the table that you can't get your miniatures across yeah. the table. Yeah. So that simple change in how much terrain is placed. Mm. Now, there are rules in Infinity about placing terrain. They say this X number of big buildings and that. They say nothing about the scatter terrain, which is your boxes, your hedges, your cars and all that, Containers, which yeah. changes the terrain at the table so much. Mm. So it really depends on what meta you're playing can yeah. change it. The same thing um, that came, comes down to with, you know, 40K, um, we had a couple of our guys from the local area went down to ARC mm. recently, and, and pre, in previous ARC they had issues where not enough terrain on the table. So ARC is a... Is is a, a is, sorry, it's the biggest for Warhammer 40,000... Tournament in Australia. Yep. I think they had 160 people this year. Fantastic. Which is yeah. huge. It's awesome. But that yeah, many, that not enough terrain on the tables last year. Which meant that long range forces dominated. Yeah. Because there was no way to get your close range force across the table. And it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because in a miniatures game, every army has its strengths and weaknesses. It does. When we were looking at statting out and balancing the various forces in dystopian wars, yeah. we'd always say, well, you know, the Prussians have got strengths in getting up close. You know, they're a close range brawling faction. The Covenant of Antarctica tend to prefer it a little bit more long ranged or various factions had their sort of sweet spots of operation, yep. and then you go to design scenarios for that, and you think, well, if one player takes this force, another player takes this force, then they're going to be able to dominate this scenario because their models are more optimally suited to operating yep. close in, and yep. that's what's required of this scenario. And so having you know things like that can really change the it dynamic can. of how the game works. It's a, it's a really interesting mechanic or an interesting thing to balance mm. when, you, when you're balancing a war game or creating scenarios for anything is to look at what forces are going to be brought to the table. And if you're forcing someone to play into a certain style mm. or forcing them to play into a – to move to a certain area, is that going to disadvantage them? Because often, you know, when you're playing in a um, – Historical war games are not so much because generally, because with a historical game, or in a certain period, so once you once you get past probably once you start getting to black powder, mm. um, the the forces are basically the same essentially. Everyone's got a gun. Um, my gun's bigger than your gun, or whatever it might mm. be. But generally, there's very limited units that are really excel at close combat. Mm. Or if they do, the other side would have them too because an arms race is always going to equal it out. Yeah. The funny thing with historical further back, um, fantasy and futuristic is that generally we see these dichotomy, these huge variations in lists mm. where one will be awesome at close combat. You want to get close. You've got yeah. to get within. The other one will be really good long range. Mm. And the problem when you create scenarios, how do you balance the scenario? I th this is another aspect perhaps that we haven't talked about in terms of miniatures games is that every, every army let alone the pieces you actually choose, yeah. but every army tends to be more idiot tends to be idiosyncratic. Yep. That it has its strengths and weaknesses. Yep. So, uh, and this feeds into another aspect I think that is fundamental to miniatures wargaming: the background. Oh, now I can't believe we haven't mentioned it. To well, I, yeah, well, you know how impactful is the Warhammer or Warhammer 40k universe on the. Players and, and the experience well, of playing 40K. 40K. 
you know, Warhammer's not really well in the day. In the day, in the, in the, let's say <laughs> back we, in the let's go back to the nineties when I played Warhammer. When we actually had a world, yeah, uh, before it was destroyed. What did you do, guys? But anyway, well, we won't go down that path again. No, it's no. Sort of phantom menace all over again. It, well, um, people stop burning armies. <laughs> the but you know, or the but, infinity setting well, for infinity, they, or you know, these are huge, massive, massive universes mm. that. I think forty and world build, but world building is expected as a part of miniatures. Yes, go. You never, it is. very rarely in board gaming, do you have people clamouring on the forums for we want more background material on this farming game, or we yeah. want more background material on this um, game. You know, that's about shipping. You know, whatever. That might be awesome games, and don't, I'm not yeah. being, I'm not trying to denigrate. Board, I love board games, but but you do get that but, with miniatures you know, games. I think that's the difference. There is is that attachment with the board game. You pull it out, everything's ready. Mm. You play it, you have fun. Mm. Board games are awesome, and we're not gonna, we're not going. But you have fun, and you play it, and you might play it thirty times, but you're still playing with the same miniatures. You haven't painted those miniatures. Mm. You haven't, um, you haven't chosen them specifically because yeah. you like the look of that model, or yeah. because you like the sound of that that history or that story behind it, the 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 the, the backstory behind yeah. that force. Mm. Um, there is an attachment to it, and the the universe that is created out of it. Is huge. Yeah, 40k has one of the richest universes of any miniature wargaming, and even if you don't like the miniature, like even if you don't like the rules or the miniatures, mm. the stories are amazing. Yeah, they a lot of them are very, very well written stories, and they draw you in, and they're you know mm. compelling. And um, same with Infinity, huge, huge spacks, huge universe. Um, Heavy Gear's got a massive universe. We yeah, both yeah. love the Heavy Gear universe. Yep. Battletech. I love the Battletech universe. I'm not so much a fan of the game, but the, the universe is phenomenal. And, and how often is it that you see these games paired with role-playing games, which yep. are, again, all about yep. that 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 experience of the setting, the yep. stories that happen in the setting? Yeah. Um, you know, you know, there there are, you know, a majority of the larger war games, particularly fantasy or science fiction. Oh yeah. Have role-playing games that go alongside them. Yep. Um, for that very, you know, I think for that very reason. Yeah, because it, well, the, the, the universe is created. Mm. They create this universe and then, well, why not? And people want to live it. They yeah. want to get involved with it. Yeah. Um, and, and you want to paint the force the yeah, right colours. the right you know, colours. Like I was saying earlier with the historical. Yep. You know, you, you know, people want to paint, even with the fantasy and with the science fiction or whatever yep. it might be, you know, people want to paint their force and, you know, um, you know, the Cadian shock troops look like this. That's you know, they're supposed to look like. Yeah. Look like they don't wear colours like that. This is what they look like. But the advantage too, the other side of these, is you have the freedom to paint it how you want as well. True. Yeah. So there is a lot of that universe, and because the universe that they create has its set parameters, in mm. that this is this unit. Kit, but then there's all that vague, those grey areas where mm. you can fit your little piece of it that becomes even more yours. Yeah. To go, well, my unit's actually an offshoot, a splinter of this one that did this, 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 and this. And there are people who create these massive yeah, yeah, backstories. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They take the tournaments, they've got these big spiels on, on the back of So what people do with um, when they go to tournaments often is they'll create a board to carry their army around on. Yeah, a display board, display a board, board, yeah. Um, that their army fits neatly into and looks yeah. really awesome because it's like a trench works or whatever it yep. might be. And then they'll have the backstory written on this plaque. Yeah. And- they put an immense amount of effort into yeah, it. Yeah, sure, the 42nd Cardian look like that, but my guys are the 46th. Yes, and this is the reason why yeah. they have they desert camo. They served on you know, and yeah. all these things happened, and, and, and you know, they only managed to survive, you know, by doing this, and yep. it was under fire for, for you know, three weeks as yep. the Chaos Hordes descended. But that kind of, that that 
story is what draws people into it. Yeah. And draws people into becoming attached to their armies and wanting to collect them and wanting to grow them and paint them and, and, and play with them. Yeah. It's definitely a, the the emotional attachment to it, which is why often we when things change a lot in a war game, yeah, people, people get, get a little very, bit Just a little shirty. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> so, they burn armies. Yeah. Uh, go and look up Age of Sigmar on YouTube for anyone who's curious about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, Age of Sigmar reaction video. <laughs> Uh, people uh, burning armies, but and this is the thing though: people would invest, and this and and when you get into miniature wargaming, like we said, you can start off quite cheaply. Mm. You can play in ten, fifteen millimeter, and and get a war game that costs you forty bucks, mm. or you can go the other end. Yes, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that people have invested in, and then their time they've invested in painting these models lovingly, painstakingly, mm. and then what happens? And the materials required to do that, yes. you know, whether it's the the static grass, the scenic basing, yep. the paint, the undercoat, the, the brushes, brushes the, airbrush, you know, the, well, all of those things. And then what happens often is, or can happen, is that it can all change. And this is one thing with I think with and you've got an Ogren army. Yes. <laughs> and suddenly the ogres, the ogres don't exist anymore. They don't exist anymore. And, and people then set them on fire. <laughs> um, and that's a it, – it's one of those things that I think is great about it, mm. but is, it, is, it is that risk. It is. It is. And It's but, hard to, to know, evolve. But the funny thing is – you know, the funny thing is, I think, too, in miniatures games on that topic is that often we're not happy – if if something changes like that, yep. we're all like, oh, you no. know, why did they change this? We didn't want it to change. As if we can't play the game as it was. Well, that's at that the funny thing, time. isn't it? We're not happy to go just just play it <laughs> well, as just it, keep was, it, how that, it was. You yeah. know, that point in time, it's like we have to update. You know, we've got to we're going to play. We've got to use the, the the new things or the new. And so many of these companies are based around that new, you know, oh, constant look, cycling and. This- and new, and I mean, they're, they're, they're a company. Of course, I have They've to. got to make money. Exactly. And, um, and how you do that, though, can be, and we won't get into that, but how you choose to make that money can yeah. be a, a big thing. Can be a matter of questionable how mm. you do it with the game. Um, it's how you treat your. How fan you treat. Base, yeah. well, and that's the thing. Miniature war gamers are very loyal. Mm. When they find a game they love, they will stick with it, and they will spend lots of money on it. Yeah. Um, it's 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 an addiction almost. You know, we can quit anytime we like to, but we. We Choose don't want to, not to. I don't want to quit. <laughs> I enjoy this. I can edition. stop buying these 15mm models anytime I want. I just don't want to. I don't want to. I like them. And in fact, I need another. I need Norman. <laughs> in fact, just see the Norman army. Let me just click, click, click. <laughs> ah, I feel so much better. The shakes have gone oh, now. Oh, oh, that's so much better. <sighs> um, but in terms of loyalty, I think that's it's it's a catch-22 often with miniature wargamers. We yeah. become so attached to our game and we've had that you know with dystopian we've seen wars. it both sides well, yeah, because we've been, we've been um you know when dystopian wars was being updated we were sort of involved with yeah. the process and you see you know gamers getting very upset about stat changes and things like yeah. that and uh, you know also seen games that we have you know yeah. spent considerable amount of money on change in yeah. in different ways that we didn't necessarily agree with. No, um, but that said, we move. I think we've moved on with a lot of them. Like both of us enjoyed fantasy and and loved it, and we've moved on and found something that that meets what we we like. Mm. Um, and for me, like sorry for a, for a fantasy game, a fantasy war game, mm. I like big blocks of spearmen and infantry mm. and regiments. Huge tracks of infantry. Huge tracks of <laughs> <land>. cavalry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
maneuvering and, and wheeling, and, and I really enjoy that aspect. So for me, we just moved to Kings of War. Yeah. And yeah, it's not the same as what Warhammer was, but it's close. It's and a, it's the same thing that I was looking for. Mm. And I think, too, this is the thing, is that there are so many rule sets. And, yeah. and the beauty of it is that for, I mean, obviously with some companies, you know, with, well, say some, with many miniatures games companies, they, uh, and we'll maybe get into this in a, in a different yeah. episode, where they're primarily their income comes from the manufacture and sale of miniatures and yes. the rules really are um, just a way of monetizing the miniatures yeah. or getting people to buy, you know, those miniatures. Um, or the reverse where there are a company that produces rules and they've yep. got nothing to do with miniatures and yep. you can use any miniatures. Um, but at the end of the day, I think if you've got, if you've got the, the miniatures, you've got an army. An ox and ox. You know, you, you can find a rule set to use Generally, it. Yeah. You know, like, um, you know, we've got armies there that were saying maybe we probably won't play that rule set, you know, again, because, you know, it's it's changed a particular way or it's done this yeah. or it's done that or whatever it might be. But, you know, there are other rule sets that we can use those forces yeah. for, you know. Um, no, we'll bring them out. I think one of the guys at our club, that's what he does. He 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 buys, he's got old science fiction and old fantasy models that he's had for years and years and years and he just slowly gathers his collection. He just uses them for any science fiction or fantasy game. Yeah. Just picks out the models that are appropriate and puts them on a table, and it works well for him. Yeah. So, definitely, when it comes down to it, and and a lot of if you in terms of monetary monetary cost, making sure that your miniatures are versatile, so putting them on individual bases maybe rather than sticking them all on one big base means you can use them across a whole range of games, mm. and you can pick out the rule sets. I mean, I'm at the moment I'm looking at getting into bolt action, bolt action miniatures, or World War Two. There's a dime a dozen of World War Two 28 millimeter miniature producers. Mm. You can use any miniatures. And then I might play bolt action today, but tomorrow I can pick up the rules for command and uh, for um, chain of command from yeah. two fat lardies and use exactly the same miniatures. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it, I think. Historical tends to be a bit easier to do that. Hmm. Um, and fantasy science fiction tends to go the other way because they're very, they tend to sculpt them fairly specifically. Yeah. But even so, even so, you know, um, you take small. Publishers like Ganesha Games, yeah. you know they do they do a whole range of different rule sets, oh, whether it's science fiction, black games. powder, you know, whatever it yeah. might be. So you could easily repurpose say the Infinity models to use using yep. that system, or you know, whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of varia- a lot of ways to get into the hobby, mm. um, and it very much is a hobby. Yeah, it's 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 more it's it's about more than just playing the game. Yeah, and more more than just you know, be, and even and even playing the game. There, you know, th- th- there's a whole bunch of pre-planning of yes. building your army, yes. of trying to work out how you're going to use it. You know, there's, we're talking about the story aspect. You know, the, the, then there's the, the the getting it on the table and the aesthetic of it. You yep. know, it just looks, you know, awesome. magnificent. So yeah, yeah, there's a whole. The, the, all of these are the reasons why. You know, and I think yeah. I certainly love miniatures games. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I I got out of it for a long time. Um, in in my 20s, I mm. got out of it for a long time. Um, I'm so happy I got back into it. At times, I'm not. <laughs> when I'm looking at my back room going, oh, my oh God. so much to pay to sort out. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but when I get an army to the table, be mm. it painted or unpainted, painted is better. Mm. But I I think for me, the most enjoyable part for me is the building, list building and gaming. Mm. I'm not a- seeing the list on the table. Seeing it do what it does. Well, the, it's the chat for me. Purely, I the part I enjoy the most is challenge. Yeah, the challenge of playing my opponent, and I can write lists that are nicer, um, and I do on for most of the time. Like if I'm going down to the club or whatever, and people want a nicer list, 
I'll generally try to. Admittedly, my scale is a bit skewed. Mm. But so you do that. But I really enjoy the challenge of going right. What's how can I really make, make this the, yeah. Yeah, so optimized and make it work so well? And it's not just. And people often mistake it in just it's just a list. Oh no. No, 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 it's because, not. you know, you take your Kings of War Orc army. Yeah. No, I have a, a shaman and a war drum and, and every horde that's within. Yeah, yeah. But that means I've got to play them like they're not all. I've got to creep them across the battlefield well, in tight pack formation. Very, very specific. And then the order of movement becomes important. And, and you know, this is what people often didn't realise about. So when we were playing Dystopian Wars tournaments, the specific placement and order of movement. Mm. So I would write fleets that would... People go, oh, they're unbeatable. No, they're not. Mm. But if you play them in a very specific way, and often that takes a lot of discipline because people get emotional. Yeah. We're attached to our armies. We want them to perform well. They don't think. Sometimes you've got to be ready to watch something die because yep. it's just, you know, there are more important fish to fry. Yep. Or, or that's if you, if, if, the, if, it does, if you move it out of the way and it doesn't die, something worse is going to die. Mm. You have to – all the lists I wrote had to be played in a very specific manner. If you didn't play them in that manner – you would lose horribly. Mm. And that was the thing that often people don't realise is it's not just the list writing, mm. it's the tactics that come on top of that list that yeah. need to be played in a specific way. Yeah. And that's in, I love that challenge as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And when we talk about the story aspects, yeah. you know, the setting and oh, the, I love uh, the, the universes, campaign play, yeah. yeah, all that sort of stuff is just wonderful. So, it, it, and the hobby aspect of painting and modelling, of, of finishing a model and looking at yep. it and thinking that, you know, you did that by your own hand. And, oh, when one's finished, know, I look at it and I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm exactly. like, awesome, I finished <laughs> yeah. the model. Yes. That looks really good. I should <laughs> do it more often. <laughs> and then I go to start another one. I'm going, what oh, were you thinking? Why? Um, I was happy with them plastic, and now I've got one painted. I'm <laughs> now I've made the rest of them. Oh my oh god! god. Um, I'll just hide the painted one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throw the painted one out, <laughs> buy a new one, put it on plastic. Uh, but um, you know that hobby aspect is a really. I think it's really important. Y- yeah, it, it is. Yeah, that attachment to the to the force or whatever you're doing. Um, so it, it's a really interesting hobby, and, and and it is a really rewarding hobby in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and and I think you know when when people talk about you know um, playing games and things like that, the, the playing the games is, is a hobby thing. But but you know there are so many uh, aspects to the hobby of miniatures yeah. gaming um, that it really is a rich experience. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you can you can you can go as far into any one aspect. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as you, you want, want, you know, whether it's the terrain, you know, is just, you know, there is no terrain or it's paper cutouts on the table yeah. or it's bowls under a green sheet or it's, you know, it's fully, you know, this almost di- museum diorama scale. It's almost impossible to play on. Because yeah, so yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's it. right. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you can get, you, you can really go yeah. a deep dive into any of those aspects that, yep. that pleases you most. So it's, yep. it's a very flexible. It is. Um, there are definitely, there's many, many people out there who just paint. Yeah. And the models are phenomenal and they paint them beautifully. Mm. Um, there are many people out there who only play and they get other people to paint for them. It's, it's such a varied, varied hobby. Mm. And there's, I think there's a game for everyone, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we covered everything that we need to cover in terms so. of why do we play I've, miniatures war games. Well, I think well, if we haven't converted you now, you should be con- you should be converted. <laughs> no matter where you come from, no matter what you do, you should be playing miniatures war games. That's now. right. Drop yeah. whatever you're doing. Go out sell and your s- left kidney. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, mortgage your house. I and- think we have. I don't have to spend that much, but the tendency is there. 
especially it's, with larger scale games. Yeah, it's and it's a collection. Mm. It becomes a, a collection. Yeah. Um, or if you like me, it becomes a completionist. Well, I have a real, a really problem, particularly with Infinity. Yeah. I've got to have every model. Yeah. Which I'm lucky for a particular force. For a particular force, not, every, not, not every model, no, but for a particular <laughs> force. But also for me too, with list writing, is that I've got to have. If I'm going to a tournament, I'll write my list, and then I've got to acquire all the models. Mm. So, what may be easy to acquire for, you know, because a lot of people, what they will do is they'll buy a starter army, which is the easy way to get into it, and they'll have a very well-rounded and balanced force for whatever you're playing. But, of course, when I write a list, none of the models that are in the starter army, or I might use one or two of them, yeah. and so I'll have to go and buy models individually, which yeah. becomes a lot more expensive. Yeah. So, that that can become a problem if you go into that side in terms of, if you have to do it that way. But, yeah, it's it's definitely... You don't have to spend a lot of money. No, you it's don't. very and, much. And it is a very rewarding hobby from the painting and the modelling yep. aspect to the aesthetic of seeing the miniatures on the table with terrain uh, from the story and the backstory yep. um, that is involved in those games and from the enjoyment of coming up with a clever list of being able to use it tactically and effectively on the tabletop as game pieces. Yep. Um, you know, there are, there, the, it runs the gamut and is a really rich, involving yep. experience. It is. And it's easier than, than you think to get involved. Oh, you know? very much so. A lot of people can look at it and say, well, I don't know what miniatures, I don't know what rules, you know, or, and it can be very daunting. Well, it can be, but I think, well, I would like to think that one of our club, Generally, is like that. If anyone is interested in our area, mm. we're like come in and you can borrow whatever we've got. Yeah, there's no there's no f- obligation to you go out and spend drop x amount of dollars just to play a game. Yeah, nope. there are so there are enough of us there that we have so many miniatures. You would never need to buy a model. Yes, come in and try it. And I would like to think that most clubs, wargaming yeah. clubs are like that. Yeah. and they're already like down in Melbourne, in Victoria, Australia. There's probably dozens of wargaming clubs, mm. a couple of really, really big ones that yeah. are really good, and they all have their own little specialties of what they do. In rural Victoria, there's a, quite a few. And there's plenty of places online that you can go yeah. to ask for advice, you know, whether yep. it's emailing, um, you know, a podcaster or a blog that, you yep. know, that you follow or that, that you're interested in, or yep. whether it's going on a board game geek and finding the uh, Miniatures Painters Guild and posting yep. in there or um, YouTube, going... there's plenty of tutorials oh, on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know... You, and it because often people start out with you know you and your brother or you and your friend are going mm. oh we want to play a game and you buy the starter box of whatever game it happens to be. Plenty of forums. I think nearly every single war game out there has a forum where you can ask questions and people are pretty good. Yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah. We're war gamers. I think we're we're pretty friendly. Mm. We've got our few. Oh, every 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 hobby does. Every hobby does. But yeah. But the um, nice people generally shout them down. Yeah, <laughs> tell them to get lost. Yeah, but no, it is. It's a yeah, it's it's a wonderful hobby. So, um, in any case, I think that wraps up yeah, our discussion on why um, we enjoy miniatures games. And hopefully, anybody out there listening, you know, if you're already a miniature gamer, uh, hopefully you you, fit, you found a few points in there that that uh, made you. Think about why it is that you are yeah. passionate about miniatures games. If you're sitting on the fence and you may be thinking about miniatures games or not, um, hopefully that sort of gave you some some inspiration. Yep. So um, until next time, my name's Giles Pritchard. And I'm Quinton Sun. You've been listening to On Minis Games. And if you'd like to contact us, you can do so uh, either on our guild on Board Game Geek by going to inversegenius.com and finding our episodes there. 
or by emailing us at onminisgamespodcast at gmail.com. You've been listening to On Minis Games. On Minis Games is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License.